just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Saturday. We're into the weekend. And there's a lot of anticipation going on. Next week is going to get a little crazy. It's going to be a very joyous shit show. It's going to be great for me and the Democrats and all of you. It's going to be absolutely horrible and horrific for Republicans, especially Donnie Trump. And we'll talk more about that in a minute or so. But I wanted to tell you, I'm recording this as I normally do in the early morning hours of Saturday. It's like 12.30. And I'm kind of excited uh, about today. Now, I'm going to finish the podcast, post the podcast, then I'm going to go to bed. I need to get some sleep because I have to get up early, early for me. You see, I've got a uh, basketball game I need to go to at 9.15. This is my grandson's basketball game. He's 10 years old. They don't play the highest intensity basketball, but it's fun to watch. I've always loved watching my kids play sports, and now it's just as fun, if not more fun, watching my grandkids play sports. He plays soccer and basketball mainly. Now, the other part of it that's so great about going to these basketball games is his little sister, my granddaughter, two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter, is there. And she's on the sidelines with her mom and dad, her other grandparents. And then I'll walk in. And she'll look down the the row and she'll kind of smirk at me. Because she knows if I'm there, she's going to be able to do pretty much whatever she wants. She'll look at me. And what she likes to do during the basketball game, she loves watching her brother. But uh, she likes going out in the hall and running up and down, climb on stuff, talk to people, and just do all kinds of crazy stuff. And she knows if she comes up to me, I'm going with her. I'll take her out there. And I got to tell you, it is quite a workout because she moves pretty quick for a girl with 11-inch inseams. She's pretty fast, and uh, I have to start moving. It helps me get in shape. It's the one time (laughs) that I'm actually pushing myself a little bit. So I'm real excited about that. And usually those games go about an hour, then it's over with, and I have to figure out what else to do for the rest of the day with my wife. We'll go do something. But not this time. You see, well, all of you know this. When you have grown kids, Christmas is kind of weird. You got to have Christmas on different days for different parts of the family because everybody's got obligations. It's, It's a pain in the ass. And and today, this afternoon, later in the afternoon, my niece is going to have kind of a Christmas party for my wife's side of the family. So that means I get to see my grandniece and my grandnephew, who I love too, and they're crazy and goofy. And uh, of course, my son and his wife and my grandkids are going to come over. So I'm going to get to see my grandkids twice. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, It's almost like you like hanging around the kids more than you do the adults. And you fucking nailed it. I do. I prefer hanging out with them. Not to say that the adults are bad. I I, I talk to them too. Maybe watch a little football or something like that. But I love hanging around the kids. They have no inhibitions. They say and do whatever they want. And somehow, some way... We relate. We're kind of on the same emotional level. None of us have any fucking uh, 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 filters. (laughs) We just say stupid stuff. Of course, you know, I don't swear around them. Now, my, uh, my granddaughter's getting kind of a little bit of a potty mouth, literally a potty mouth. Because she doesn't swear. She doesn't say the F word and all those words. But she has taken to calling people poopy butts. (laughs) And my son and my daughter-in-law and her other grandparents are really upset about that. No, 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 you can't say that. But I don't think it's that big a deal. You know, she's two and a half. She wants to say poopy butt. That's fine with me. So 
she and I kind of have this thing going on. She'll call me a poopy butt, and I go, no, you are. And she'll start laughing, and she'll say, no, you are. And it's just fun. I just I don't want to inhibit the kid. And I do prefer hanging out with the kids, especially my grandkids, because they're so fucking goofy. I love it. My granddaughter, much to my son's chagrin, and my daughter-in-law's chagrin, my wife's chagrin, she has more of a personality like mine. She just walks up to anybody. She does whatever she wants. She has no fears, completely confident. And that's how I was when I was a kid, kind of how I am now. <clears throat> so it's very foreign to my son and his wife and everybody else. But uh, she and I are connected. <laughs> she and I just don't give a fuck. Well, with her, she doesn't give a poop. But you know what I'm saying. It's all the same thing. Anyhow, I got a good day planned. I'm in a good mood, but I got to get to bed early. So I got to do the podcast, get that posted, get to bed so I can get up in enough time to uh, get dressed and drive about 40 minutes to go see this game because I'm not missing the fucking game. Because if I do miss the game, then my granddaughter's going to think I'm a poopy butt, and we can't have that. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what's happening. Now, of course, we know that the uh, January 6th committee is going to do a presentation on Monday. We've been talking about this for a while, and there's some question as to what they're going to talk about. We know that uh, they're going to vote on whether they can, whether they want to accept the uh, the uh, proposals that they wrote, and parts of that will be released on Monday. Uh, it's basically a summarization of all the evidence that they got and all the witnesses they've talked to. And it's really going to expose a lot of things. Benny Thompson, the chairman of the committee, said, be ready, there's going to be some new evidence that you've never seen before. And I think Liz Cheney said that in the uh, summer, the executive summary of it, there's some really bad shit in there. So this is going to be entertaining. But the real interesting thing that we heard about today is they're talking about these criminal referrals. Now, this is something we've been wondering about for a long time. And now it appears uh, they haven't said what they're going to do yet, but it looks like there will be criminal referrals. And this is kind of interesting. Again, these referrals don't guarantee indictments, but it's basically suggestions based on the evidence they found a suggestion to the DOJ. Now, the DOJ probably has all of this evidence. If they don't, they'll have what the J6 committee has, and they're likely to feel the same way. But there's a lot of question on who's going to get the criminal referrals. Is it going to be a couple of people? Is it going to be 30 people? It could literally be 30 people. You know, they were talking about different categories, and there could be multiple people in those categories. So we don't really know. But there's been some talk about the criminal referrals for Donald Trump. Yeah, it looks like he's going to get some criminal referrals. Now, I saw somebody on TV say, do you think they'll take that extra step and, 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 and make some criminal referrals to, on Donald Trump? Or do you think they'll back off of it? Think they'll be too afraid? And somebody made an interesting point. It was one of the lawyers on the, uh, on the television shows, the uh, cable TV news. And they said, well, look, they almost have to put out a criminal referral. Because remember, the second impeachment had to do with the insurrection and Donald Trump's activities. They impeached him based on evidence they had at that point. So if they don't send out a criminal referral this time, that's kind of negating the whole impeachment thing. So they're kind of forced into giving at least one criminal referral for Donald Trump. But they're not stopping there. They're not stopping there. The talk is that there could be as many as three criminal referrals for Donald Trump. One is for insurrection. And a lot of people think this is the strongest one. Now, 
I don't know if anybody's ever been convicted of insurrection in this country, at least not in recent times. It's a tough case to make. But the fact of the matter is a lot of it, the basis for insurrection is if you're trying to overthrow the country or you give comfort or help to people that are trying to overthrow the country. And clearly, Donald Trump did that. I mean, he had meetings in the White House, Jenny Thomas and Roger Stone and that sort of thing. So people think this insurrection one might be a strong case to get Donald Trump an indictment. Now, the second charge they're looking at where they're likely to give a criminal referral is obstruction of official proceedings. And it sounds like he's done that, too. I mean, the whole idea of going to Mike Pence and saying, you got to not do this. You got to not certify the election. That's kind of obstruction, wouldn't you say? And we know he did it. I mean, he's admitted he did it. So obstruction might have a strong case behind it. And conspiracy to defraud the U.S. government. Well, there's a lot of evidence of that, too. I mean, he had a whole campaign, a whole plan with the fake electors, with calling Georgia, with uh, talking to Mike Pence. It was a conspiracy, And it was to overturn a fair and legal election. So that would be defrauding the United States of America. So Donald Trump's got some fucking problems. They want to refer him criminally for three counts, possibly. And all of them have actual evidence that proves he fucking did it. Now, when you're talking about insurrection, obstruction, and conspiracy, especially conspiracy, There has to be other people involved, and we know they are. We know that Mark Meadows was involved, Rudy Giuliani, Jenny Thomas, Roger Stone, sitting members of Congress, people like Jim Jordan. We're finding out Jim Jordan was kind of part and parcel to the architecture of this whole thing with Mike Pence. We've got uh, Paul Gozar, who's kind of in the thick of it, Marjorie Taylor Greene. You can kind of get the sense that those people, when you see the things they're doing on social media or on television, they are a little nervous, and they should be nervous, because the evidence is there. There's a lot of evidence we haven't seen as yet. We know there's video inside the Capitol, so we will know who gave tours. We will have text messages. We will have emails. And all of these things are going to show a lot. Hell, we've got the 34 representatives in the House of Representatives texting Mark Meadows. And all of them saying the same things. Oh, we need to, we need to uh, issue martial law, even if they didn't know how to spell it. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about martial law and overturning an election and potentially overthrowing a country. And as I've said in a previous podcast, that's the exact opposite of what they pledged in their oath of office upon taking their seat in the House of Representatives. They took an oath to protect the Constitution. Now, what they're doing here is the exact opposite. They're trying to upend the Constitution. So they've got some problems and these problems are, are um, supported by text messages written in their own hands. Now, what you have to understand is we were told that these referrals were already decided. Benny Thompson said something like that. But now we're hearing they're going to be discussing it this weekend. So today and tomorrow, they're going to be discussing what they're going to do for referrals. So when Monday comes around, it's going to be 1 o'clock Eastern time, noon Central time, and what, maybe 10 o'clock Pacific time? That's when it's all going to go down. It sounds like it's going to be a shorter presentation than what we've seen in the past. Previous hearings were a couple of hours. Now they're just laying out what's going on, who the criminal referrals are, maybe a vote, procedural vote for, you know, whether they're going to adopt 
the final report, which, of course, they will. So the deliberations were confirmed to the AP by a person familiar with the matter who could not discuss the matter publicly by name and spoke on condition of anonymity. A second person familiar with the deliberations confirmed the committee was considering three charges. So we're hearing about it from somebody connected, but they don't want to give out names. You know what they think about leakers in Washington? Leakers don't get away with shit. Well, unless you're on the Supreme Court, then it's not a problem. The decision to issue referrals is not unexpected. Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming, the vice chair of the committee, has for months been hinting at sending the Justice Department criminal referrals based on the extensive evidence the nine-member panel has gathered since it was formed in July of 2021. Now, um, Cheney said, you may not send an armed mob to the Capitol. You may not sit for 187 minutes and refuse to stop the attack while it's underway. You may not send out a tweet that incites further violence, Cheney said, about Trump on NBC's Meet the Press. That was back in October. So we've been very clear about a number of different criminal offenses that are likely at issue here, said Cheney. The committee's chair, Representative Benny Thompson of Mississippi, detailed possible referrals last week as falling into a series of categories that include criminal and ethics violations, legal misconduct, and campaign finance violations. It would then fall to the federal prosecutors to decide whether to pursue any referrals for prosecution. Now, this is what we've talked about for a long time. Uh, the J6 committee really has no power to indict or, or prosecute anybody. That's, that's not their job. Their job is to dig out the evidence, talk to the witnesses, and expose that evidence to all of us. And I think that's an important job. All too often, things go down in the DOJ, and we don't know all the facts. I mean, those grand juries, of course, they're all secretive. So we don't know what kind of information the DOJ has. And right now we don't know what they have currently. That said, we'll know what's out there in the ether when J6, the J6 committee, ex, um, releases all of the evidence. So while referrals don't carry any legal weight, recommendations by the committee would add to the political pressure of the Justice Department as it investigates Trump's actions. Like I say, most things that come out in a grand jury, we don't know about because it's secret. Now, when the J6 committee puts this evidence out, we all know, and the DOJ can't say, yeah, there's nothing here. They've got to act on it. The gravest offense in the constitutional terms is the attempt to overthrow a presidential election and bypass the constitutional order. That came from member Jamie Raskin. He also said, subsidiary to all of that are a whole host of statutory offenses which support the gravity and magnitude of that violent assault on America. Now, Jamie Raskin is not only a representative, he's not only a lawyer, but he's a law professor. Dude knows his shit. Raskin, along with Cheney and Democratic reps Adam Schiff and Zoe Lofgren, both from California, uh, comprised uh, the subcommittee that drafted the referral recommendations and presented them to larger groups for consideration. Now, over the course of its investigation, the committee has made recommendations that several members of Trump's inner circle should be prosecuted for refusing to comply with congressional subpoenas. One, of course, is Steve Bannon, and he obviously has been convicted of not complying with a... Um, with a subpoena. Now, as we've said before, Mark Meadows has kind of been under the under the radar as of late. We know he has a lot of information. He was the middleman between Donald Trump and everybody else on that day, January 6th. We know that there were tons of text messages sent to him coming from as many as 34 sitting members of Congress. 
Um, so he was kind of the linchpin in all of this. Now, he's likely to get a criminal referral. But I'll tell you this, they may give him immunity because they need him to pin down Donald Trump. I mean, they don't absolutely need him, but it would make everything go smoother and quicker. And it may be worth doing it for them. I hate to see that, though, because because I think Meadows is a criminal fuck. He deserves to be held accountable and punished for his crimes because he is the worst of the fucking worst. That's not to mention the sitting members of Congress, Roger Stone, Ginny Thomas, Rudy Giuliani, and all those fucks, too. These people have some serious problems. They know it's coming. They know the hammer is going to fall at least for the public to know what happened and the evidence out there. You think people are walking away from Donald Trump and the Magus? Wait till next week when this shit comes out. There'll be some people that say, oh, that's not true. That's, that's Democrats lying. But if you're going to indict somebody, and the DOJ certainly is likely to do that, You better have some hardcore evidence. The DOJ doesn't indict somebody unless they know they're going to win the case, especially when you're talking about a former president or the inner circle around a president. You don't fuck around with that. You don't take chances. If you're indicting, you know you're going to win. All right. In uh, yesterday's podcast, we talked about Donald Trump's Big new announcement. Oh, and it was a doozy. Everybody thought, especially the trump thought, oh, this is going to be big news. Finally, Donald Trump is going to lay out the plan. He's playing 3D fucking chess and everybody else is playing checkers. Finally, the QAnon people are happy because he's going to come out and do what he does. He's probably going to, you know... (laughs) Make public JFK or JFK Jr. Or he's going to have some plan to get back in the Oval Office. Little do they know, Donald Trump doesn't know fuck all from fuck all. He isn't doing anything. He's just a stupid fuck. Now, instead of coming out with some genius plan or announcing that he's running for the Speaker of the House or he's announcing his his, uh, vice president, He comes out instead with these digital trading cards or NFTs. And these are pictures, digital pictures that um, depict him in various scenarios. He claims they all are connected to his life and his exciting career. I beg to differ. There's one with with a space outfit on. There's one as a cowboy. There's one as a... uh, a hero of the stock market. There's one that's a superhero. It was absolutely a fucking joke. Everybody in the Democratic Party laughed at him, teased him. I teased him. (laughs) And the problem is the people in the Republican Party were disappointed. They thought something big was coming from Donald Trump and they were disappointed. Now, guess what? The Republicans are starting to admonish him about this ridiculousness. So yesterday, the day after he announced these digital trading cards, he was selling 45,000 of them. Now I wonder if he's not selling more. Now when you sell these digital trading cards, they have to be a finite amount to maintain some value. Now, when they sold these, they said, this is not an investment. (laughs) No shit, motherfucker. It's not an investment. Who's going to invest in Donald Trump? But anyway, he comes out today and he says, well, they're all sold out. Everybody bought them. So you're telling me that you sold 45,000 digital pictures at 99 bucks a piece, and within 24 hours, they are sold out. It's funny, I hear people talking on the news as if that's true. 
But remember who you're getting this from. You're getting it from Donald Trump, who's a pathological liar, and you're not looking at his mindset. Here's what I suggest. Donald Trump puts this out. He thinks he's going to be lauded as a hero, that people are going to buy these things up fast, very fast, and he's going to look like the smartest businessman in the world. Instead, he gets laughed at by the Democrats and uh, the Republicans are pissed off. Now, if you're a narcissist, the last thing you can handle is being made a fool of or be made fun of. And that's exactly what was happening. So you go into Donald Trump's mind and what do you do? What do you do? You try to show them up, right? You try to show them up. And it, and instead what you do is even though you probably haven't sold these out, you say, oh yeah, well I sold them out. I showed you. I'm the smart guy. I put out 45000 of them for 100 bucks a piece, making $4.5 million. And in 24 hours, I sold them out. Okay, so prove that. They aren't going to prove shit. I'm amazed how people... Take him at his word. When is the last time you ever heard Donald Trump tell the fucking truth about anything? And when it comes to people's perception of him, he's certainly going to lie. He's going to exaggerate. He's going to hype himself up. He didn't sell 45,000 NFTs in 24 hours. The people that are still following him don't have enough money. I did a joke on uh, uh, TikTok. I did a TikTok and I was making fun of him about his NFTs. And I took a little piece of bread and I held it up to the camera and said, I need to share this with the country. (laughs) And I held the piece of bread and I said, this right here is a crumb from one of seven Big Macs that Donald Trump ate in one city. I don't know how this crumb got away from Donald Trump, but it did. And there's a good chance that Donald Trump's DNA is on this motherfucker. And I said, I can't keep this for myself. I have to give it to the world. Like, for example, maybe Donald Trump's presidential library. It's a scamp trailer down in Alabama someplace. Maybe give it to them. Or... Maybe give it to a rich guy and he can put it on his mantle. Or maybe a woman who loves Donald Trump can put it in a pendant and wear it around her neck forever. Or maybe you take this piece of bread, put it in your holiday dinner, and then you can share the body of Trump amongst all of you. (laughs) Just in case you're a little gullible, I was lying. It was a fucking joke, okay? I mean, people were coming up with real things I should do with this bread with Donald Trump's DNA, which is I went to a loaf of bread in my kitchen. I took off a piece. It wasn't real. It was a fucking joke. (laughs) One woman made a suggestion, though. And I think she was serious. Well, I hope she wasn't serious. But the fact of the matter is, if it was real, it would have been a hell of an idea. If this tiny piece of bread, this crumb, actually did have Donald Trump uh, DNA on it, you should give it to E. Jean Carroll's lawyer. (laughs) It's not real. It was a joke. (laughs) But, you know, if it had been real, that's a pretty good idea. That's a pretty good idea. So... Thursday, the former president unveiled a new grift, digital trading cards or NFTs. Uh, but, <laughs> but the ironic thing is, in the summer of 2021, Trump said this of crypto. Trump had an opinion of crypto, which NFTs and tradable digital tradable cards are essentially crypto because you're buying nothing really. But this is what Trump said. The currency of this world should be the dollar. And I don't think we should have all of the Bitcoins of the world out there. I think they should regulate them very, very high. 
What the fuck kind of sentence is that? Anyway, I don't like it because it's another currency competing against the dollar. I want the dollar to be the currency of the world. Now, what a difference a year and a half makes. This is a different Donald Trump than he was 18 months ago with the Trump Organization in serious trouble. The former president needs money more than ever. And after learning that 45,000 of the cards have sold already, it seems to be a smart grift. Again, I question whether or not he sold 45,000 of them. He's never going to show us any proof of it. I guarantee you that. But here's a guy that didn't like crypto, and now he likes crypto. It just goes to show what I've always said. Donald Trump really has no opinions about anything. Whatever's in front of him, if it will benefit him or enrich him, he'll believe in it. It kind of goes back to his personality, the personality of all narcissists. If you want to manipulate a narcissist, it's very easy to do. Just feed their ego, pat them on the back, tell them they're a genius, um, give them accolades, adore them. Then you'll become their best friend and they will do anything for you, give you anything. I know this because, as I've told you before, I had a father that was a narcissist and he was impossible to deal with until I figured that out when I was about 15. And then I was fucking golden. He was still problematic because he tended to lose his temper. But I knew how to manipulate him if he was going to lose his temper. I just needed to take him off off the track and bring him onto another track, and I was good. Same thing with Donald Trump. All you have to do is prove to him that you love him, that you adore him, and that you can help him make money, and he'll do fucking anything for you. All right, let's take a quick break, and we will be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. So who remembers little Dougie Jensen? Yeah, you probably don't remember the name, but you know his face because he ended up being the poster child for the January 6th insurrection. You'll remember this guy. He's an Iowa construction worker who was among the first rioters to enter the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, 2021. You'll remember him because there was a famous video out. Dougie was leading a pack of redneck, toothless, dumb motherfucking Trumplefucks through the Capitol on that day on January 6th. He was the lead guy. Now, you'll also remember somebody in that video who was actually a hero. Now, all these people, these Trumplefucks, and Dougie himself thought they were heroes saving this country. But the real hero was uh, um, an officer, Goodman. Uh, who was in the video as well. Now, if you remember how this went, Officer Goodman was backing up, the backing up, and this toothless crowd was was following him. Uh, They think they're tough guys. Dougie's leading the pack. He's calling names. He's doing all kinds of crazy shit. And Officer Goodman is leading them down different paths. Now, as much as these Trumplefucks thought they were heroes and tried to save the country, the real hero there was Officer Goodman. Now, Officer Goodman was basically drawing these people away from the members of Congress, keeping them safe. He has been uh, given accolades and awarded for this, and uh, it was a true sense of heroism when he was working on January 6th, and we owe him a great debt of gratitude, and so do the members of Congress. So anyway, he was among the first rioters to enter the U.S. Capitol. 
His face was all over everybody's TV screens. Everybody knew who he was, so of course he got arrested. He was prosecuted, and he was convicted. And yesterday, he was sentenced to 60 months in prison, five years in prison, and then 36 months uh, supervised release and $2,000 of restitution on Friday. Now, Dougie Jensen is from Des Moines, which is about four hours south of where I am right now. I've been there many times. Nice town. Got a dumb fuck <laughs> for, a, uh, for a citizen down there. He, he easily spotted in the pictures from the Capitol riots thanks to his uh, the Q T-shirt he wore that day, an homage to the conspiracy racist conspiracist and racist movement QAnon. He addressed the court Friday before the sentence was announced saying, I can't change my past. I can just look to the future. Well, motherfucker, your future's going to be in a jail cell for the next five years. And then three years after that, you're going to be supervised. And oh, don't forget about that $2,000 of restitution. You're going to have to uh, sell your fifth wheel or your four wheeler to cover that fucking expense. He added that he doesn't plan to get involved in the judicial system again and that he wants to go back to being the family man he was before he got involved in politics. Yeah, I'll bet you were a family man, all right. Though U.S. District Judge Tim Kelly did acknowledge mitigating factors like Jensen's mental health and dozens of favorable letters submitted to the court by his friends and family, he was not convinced by Jensen's own plea. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of Trump fucks were happy to write a note saying, oh, he's a good guy. He hates all the people we hate. Now, Jensen's statement didn't suggest he understood why what happened was wrong. Kelly said ahead of the sentencing, so he, he's not, he apparently hasn't gotten through his head that what he did was wrong. He still thinks he was saving this country. Now, after handing down the sentence, Kelly emphasized to Jensen that despite his wrongdoing, he's not a monster. And I'd have to agree with that. He's not a monster. He was just a goofy fuck that was gullible. He goes on to say, we've talked a lot about how you were not a hero and not a patriot on January 6th. I'm sure he loves hearing that. But you, like everyone else who comes through my courtroom, are not a monster either, Kelly said. You made a serious mistake, but don't lose sight of your intrinsic value as a person. See, he's trying to hopefully hope against hope that this guy has some redeemable qualities and that after spending some time in jail, he might come out the other side being somewhat normal. Now, he might get toned down as far as his attitude, and he may not be as gullible after spending time in prison, but he's still going to be fucking dumb. So I wouldn't get too, too excited about his prospects. Now, throughout the proceeding, Jensen frequently looked at his wife, April, for reassurance, <laughs> giving her the thumbs up, blown kisses, and exasperated looks. <laughs> Jensen was convicted of obstructing an official proceeding. One of the things that Donald Trump may be referred to and some of the other people in the Trump uh, realm will be also referred for obstructing an official proceeding. And uh, he had six other criminal charges in September for his role in the January 6th attack. Now, here's the thing. Obstructing an official proceeding, I think the maximum penalty is 20 years. So for him to get five, that's a pretty light sentence. Still, if you go into a federal prison for five years, that's no trip to the fucking ocean. He's still going to go through some shit, and he deserves it. And that's the funny thing about these people at the J6 committee or these people that were the fake electors. The last place any of these people thought they would go is to prison. They thought they were doing the right thing. So there are some ramifications from being stupid. But we know... You know, I know that you could sit and talk to these people prior to them being convicted 
and they still would not believe you. They don't listen to fuck all about fuck all. So this is the only way that you can try to curb this kind of behavior. Make sure that people are accountable and are punished for this kind of behavior. We cannot afford to have anything like this again. It still, to me, is truly amazing with all that Donald Trump had working for him and all the things happening around January 6th insurrection that they weren't successful. If they can't be successful with all they had, they're just too fucking stupid. And thank God they're too fucking stupid. But we can't count on the fact that the next group of people will be that stupid. They probably won't. They will have learned lessons from this time around. So we've got to shut down any possibility for something like that happening again. So little Dougie Jensen is going to prison for five years. Now, it's interesting. I did a TikTok about this. And at the time, I'd seen something written or I heard somebody on television and they referred to him as Doug Johnson. So I thought, yeah, that sounds right, Johnson. So I did the TikTok and said Johnson. Now, since I did that, I've seen other reporters say Doug Johnson, too. It is, in fact, Jensen. But one of the things you learn when you've been on the radio is that people love to grab Anytime you're wrong, as and and they're 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 indignant about it. Like uh, you should be above being wrong from time to time. Well, you folks have listened to me enough on the podcast and on TikTok to know that I can be wrong. And if I am aware that I'm wrong, I will tell you I'm wrong because I have no problem with that. I'm wrong all the time. But these people, I had about three or four of them say, "It's Doug Jensen," <laughs> and I pointed out to him his name is unimportant. It's inconsequential because henceforth he won't be known by his name. He will be known by his number. And that's how he should be known. Whether it's Doug Johnson or Doug Jensen doesn't matter. You know this guy by the look of his ugly fucking Trump fuck face. His ridiculous behavior. So for, for those people upset that I said Doug Johnson on TikTok, and not Doug Jensen, who the fuck cares? I was wrong. I corrected it on the podcast. But come on. Out of that whole story, the important thing you got out of it was that I gave the wrong last name. Now, I know you guys on the podcast don't do this. This is TikTok bullshit. Um, But you will point out when I'm wrong, and I'm happy for you to do that. If I'm wrong, please tell me. I'm not going to ridicule you for it. I'm going to acknowledge it. Why not? My goal is here to give you the best and most accurate information I can. But being who I am, I will make some mistakes, and I'm happy to hear about it um, (laughs) when I make those mistakes. So feel free to let me know when I make mistakes. But watch yourself. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm used to taking criticism. I've said it before. Say it again. I've been married 39 years. Criticism is my middle name. And it's not giving criticism. (laughs) It's taking criticism. All right. Well, here's some good news. And I'm interested to see how they're going to play this out. A U.S. House of Representatives committee will meet on Tuesday to discuss former President Donald Trump's tax returns, which it obtained late last month after a long court fight, according to a source familiar with the matter. Bet you forgot about that, didn't you? After three years, the House Ways and Means Committee, I believe, got a hold of Donald Trump's taxes. Now, the problem is, is that as of January 3rd, when the Republicans take over, they're probably going to quash that and uh, not do anything with them. That's expected. So, what does the House and Ways Committee do now that they have such a short window, a small window? 
Right now, the Democratic-controlled House and Ways and Ways and Means Committee closed-door meeting will come just two weeks before Republicans are set to assume the majority in the House, which they narrowly won in November's midterm. We know it was close. That pretty much leaves the Democrats very little time, two weeks, to decide what, if anything, to do with Trump's returns before losing the power to set the committee's agenda. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in the committee's favor last month. The committee formally announced a meeting on Tuesday relating to the documents protected under the uh, Internal Revenue Code without specifying Trump. Trump was the first presidential candidate in decades not to release his his tax returns. But, of course, he wanted to. He was just under audit, which was a lie. Now, Ways and Means Democrats have said they need to see Trump's records to assess whether the Internal Revenue Service is properly auditing presidential tax returns and to gauge whether new legislation is needed. Questions remain about what the committee will do with Trump's taxes after the gavel goes to the Republicans in January. Now, they say it was for audit reasons. But there are other reasons they want to see these taxes. They want to see these taxes because they want to see where Donald Trump was getting his money. If it's not from his businesses and it's from foreign countries, that may send up some red flags. And those red flags are already there because Donald Trump refuses to show these things. So why would you do that unless you're doing something a little shifty? So we need to know that. Now, the documents are still subject to federal confidentiality restrictions, but Democratic lawmakers could make some details public, possibly after a vote by the full House. Now, of course, in the full House, the Democrats still have the majority until January 3rd. So they're going to have this meeting, decide what they want to do, and they got to do something with it. The public has been waiting for this for years and years and years. They can't just say, yeah, we got them, but we're not going to do anything with them. They almost have to make them public, and I suspect they will. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But with all the other stuff going on, it's easy to forget about all the different little things going on. And this tax thing, I think, is important. Because if we find out that he was getting money from Saudi Arabia, the Russians, North Korea, or whoever else, it puts a different light on these top-secret documents that were stolen. It sheds some light on Donald Trump and Jared Kushner getting billions of dollars from Saudi Arabia since leaving office. There's something funny going on there. A country doesn't give Jared Kushner $2 billion to manage when Jared Kushner has no experience managing money, especially when the higher-ups in Saudi Arabia said, yeah, no, don't do that. That's not a good idea. But the crown prince said, no, we're going to do that. Does he really want Jared Kushner to manage the money? Or is it a payment for something they already got or will get in the near future. Who the fuck knows? But we should know, because it all ties back to the security of this country. That's why we need to see what is in Donald Trump's taxes. And the more he tried to keep those taxes away from us, the more we should be concerned about it. So the House Ways and Means Committee on Tuesday is going to vote on it, I got my fingers crossed that they are going to release the taxes or at least a large portion of the taxes so we can see what the fuck is up. Now, one guy that's uh, got some headaches that they're dealing with and is at the point now where he's a little worried and he should be worried. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy has publicly remained confident about his chances of becoming the next Speaker of the, of the House, led by the Republicans. But recently, he struck more of a worried note during an interview with right-wing talk show host Hugh Hewitt on Friday. 
Now, from CNN, man, Manu uh, Raju, uh, he said, McCarthy acknowledged that he hasn't been able to persuade the five Republicans who have vowed to block his long-sought speakership bid to change their minds. And that is a big problem. You see, they've got to vote on a Speaker of the House on January 3rd. If they can't come to terms and they go to another vote and another vote, this is going to be incredibly embarrassing, not only for Kevin McCarthy, but for the entire Republican Party. I don't see how Kevin McCarthy wins because he's done nothing but fuck up in the last two years. Over and over again, that's who you want as a leader? Come on. He goes on to say, we're still continuing to talk, but they have not moved. McCarthy then outlined the serious consequences for House Republicans should they get themselves into a protracted leadership battle. It would delay everything, getting committees up and running, being able to do the things that need to get done, McCarthy said. He also said it would damage public trust if Republicans spent the first weeks of their new majority slinging nonstop mud at one another. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to sling mud. They're going to eat their own. They are going to be divided. And then once they finally come together, however they decide to do that, then they're going to sling mud at the Democrats. They're going to spend the next two years doing nothing but bullshit. And it's going to cost them big in 2024, when after two years, the House of Representatives, led by the Republican Party, do absolutely nothing. The people of this country are going to be fucking angry. See, this is where they make the mistake. They think Donald Trump is uh, fully responsible for losing the midterms. He has a big part of it. And the MAGA folks have a big part of it. But it's all the other bullshit they're doing. All this crazy conspiracy things, this slinging mud, this doing nothing, this overturning Roe v. Wade, all of this shit, that costs them the midterms too. But for some reason, they don't see that. So they're just going to continue doing what they're doing, whether or not Donald Trump is involved or not. Kevin McCarthy said, people look at us and believe. Are you ready to be the majority if that is what's happening? How can you pass the big bills? How can you change the course of history? How can you secure the border? How can you become energy independent? It's all in jeopardy. Now, even though McCarthy has gone out of his way to get support of even far-right lawmakers in his parties, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, he still has hardcore group uh, refusing to support him, including Matt Gates and Andy Biggs, which is weird because Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene were so tight for so long. But you have to understand, Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene will sidle up to anybody that's going to get her something. She's probably seeing in her mind that they won't be able to come up with a good answer, so Kevin McCarthy will end up winning it by default because they're looking stupid. And as long as she stays by his side, she'll have some power. And the reason she has power is not because she's smart or has, has uh, political power. It's because she can raise a lot of money. A lot of dumb fucks give her a lot of money. And that's what gives her power over Kevin McCarthy. If Kevin McCarthy becomes the Speaker of the House, then Marjorie Taylor Greene will pretty much be pulling the strings on Kevin McCarthy. So that can't be a good thing. Unless, of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene is expelled from the House of Representatives because of her part in the January 6th insurrection. So we'll see how that goes. Now, we talked about the NFT thing with Donald Trump. We talked about how the Democrats laughed at him and how the Republicans admonished Donald Trump for this ridiculousness, for not coming up with a plan. You know who's also pissed at Donald Trump? Loyal QAnon conspiracy theorists were among those not impressed by former President Donald Trump's flop announcement of digital collectibles this week. <laughs> Listen to this. 
Wednesday, Trump took his social media platform to tease a major announcement. That ended up being a venture for him to earn more cash, a grift. Now, if anyone were to eagerly await such a vague and sweat-eliciting promise, it was those among us anticipating Trump's prompt White House reinstatement and the return from the dead of JFK Jr., Instead of military tribunals, public hangings, the imprisonment of anyone who's ever heard the name Rothschild, and a time traveler, the former president offered $9 non-fungible tokens of him with a frickin' laser beams coming out of his eyes. As the publication Vice covered in great detail, even the QAnon faithful lost it, even if only for a little while. They'll come back. Now, of course, these QAnon people are on this app called Telegram, and the anger on Telegram channels and pro-Trump message boards was was palpable. The, the day prior, the Trump team had said a major announcement was coming Thursday. Many from QAnon community had expected, as they have for the last five years, that the major announcement from Trump was about how he was going to take down the deep state, arresting his enemies, and taking control of America once again. They were hungry for this. They were waiting for it. They were expecting it. One QAnon guy called Trump's business venture a shitstorm debacle NFT announcement. This is a QAnon guy talking about Donald Trump. Another accused the country's 45th president of shilling NFTs for campaign funds. It does not appear the NFTs are for Trump's second re-election bid, just his pockets. Now, probably the best response came from a conspiracy theorist who simply said, a fucking NFT? He needs a new PR team. The responses are plentiful and worth reading more um, in, in the publications that are, that are uh, printing them. The QAnon crowd is not happy. It all started back in like 2018, 2019, when we started getting the Q drops and they were making predictions and statements. Funny thing is, none of those things ever came true. How does QAnon continue to be followed when they constantly are wrong? I mean, they come up with the craziest shit, you know, Jewish laser beams. Starting fires in California, that was Marjorie Taylor Greene. She got that from QAnon. It's truly amazing to me that people for all these years have followed QAnon when they've been nothing but wrong. These are the same people, though, that have uh, followed Donald Trump when he's been nothing but wrong and criminal, too. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised. Well, let's talk about Donald Trump's nemesis as we wind things down on the Rational Boomer podcast. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis remains vague, vague about his stance on further restriction of abortion in the state. But he recently hinted that he would support a six-week abortion ban. Now, that's what they have in Georgia, and that for all intention purposes bans abortion. Most people don't know they're pregnant before six weeks. So this is essentially banning all abortion. Now, the the funny thing about it is he doesn't like to talk about it. (laughs) He certainly didn't want to talk about it prior to the election because he wanted to get reelected. And the fact of the matter is the majority of the people in Florida are for Roe v. Wade. Why he wants to hold on to that, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe he's worried he's going to lose the evangelical support. Well, he won his race. He won the governorship pretty handily. He could probably walk away from that. But he's not willing to commit at this point. During a Thursday press conference following a special legislative session on Hurricane Ian Relief, DeSantis was asked whether he is going to take the lead on a heartbeat bill in Florida. Heartbeat bills refer to abortion bans around the six-week period when fetal cardiac activity is usually detected. What he said was, I'm willing to sign great life legislation. 
He doesn't say anything there. That's what I've always said I would do, DeSantis responded without going into more detail. That's what you've always said, Ron? Well, what you just said was saying nothing. You can't commit. You don't have the courage to commit. Now, currently in Florida, they have a 15-week abortion ban in effect, which DeSantis and other Republicans pushed through the legislature this year. What was initially seen as a big accomplishment for abortion opponents in the state is now a reminder that DeSantis hasn't gone far enough in restricting abortion care since the Supreme Court overturned the federal abortion protections. But see, here's the thing. This is where Ron DeSantis is troubled. Because Ron DeSantis isn't as stupid as Donald Trump. He's not a good person. I mean, he's, he's fucking evil as hell. And so he understands that overturning Roe v. Wade in the midterms was a fucking loser. And he wants to run for president in 2024. He's got a problem here, you see. He doesn't want to piss off the evangelicals because he feels they'll be helpful in the 2024 election. But at the same time, the vast majority of people in this country and in Florida support Roe v. Wade. So what to do? He can't decide. Hey, Ron, how about just go with what you really feel, what you really believe? Oh, no, you couldn't do that. You got to do what's going to get you more votes. Now you're sitting on the fence and you don't know which way to go. The 15-week abortion ban does not go far enough, Andrew Chervell, founder of Florida Voice for the Unborn. We'd like a complete abortion ban in the state of Florida, similar to what Texas and Oklahoma and Georgia, too. And Ron DeSantis is in fucking trouble with this. What do you do? Most of the people in your state don't want to overturn Roe v. Wade. They are pro-Roe v. Wade. Most of the people in this country, yes, he got elected governor pretty easily, but he's not thinking about that race anymore. He's thinking about the presidency, and he knows it's a fucking loser. <laughs> Ronnie's in trouble because he doesn't want to piss off the evangelicals, but at the same time, um, he doesn't want to piss off the vast majority of the country by going all out and going to the six-week bill. I'm going to tell you this right now. In almost every occasion, every presidential election, anybody that has been a candidate or a prospective candidate two years prior to the election or even a year prior to the election, in most cases, they don't end up being the candidate. Things change. Things happen. Who knows? He could get an indictment. So things will change dramatically. I don't even think, I mean, he may be the hot Republican candidate right now, but I think once we go through all of these uh, investigations and indictments and such, there's going to be a big change in the Republican Party. When the Republican Party can't handle the House of Representatives and get nothing done, they're going to have a couple of options. Get their ass kicked in 2024 or try to bring things back to normal with the Republican Party. And that's where Liz Cheney's going to crop up all of a sudden. And she is going to be the one that helps them try to get back there. Even if they decide to do that, it's going to take some time. There is nothing anyone can do here for the Republicans to win in 2024. It's just not going to happen. Now, if Joe Biden runs, God bless him, he's going to be old. But if he runs, he will probably win. If somebody else runs, they will probably win too. It almost doesn't matter because whoever runs from the Republican Party is going to have a lot of baggage with them because of all that's happened up to 2022 and all that's going to happen between 2022 and 2024. All right, we're about ready to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. 
Just one other story I wanted to talk about. It's kind of a bullshit story because I'm tired of talking about it. Now, you remember Mike Lindell was banned by Twitter. And when Elon Musk um, let Donald Trump and other people back on, he didn't let Mike Lindell on. And Mike was upset about it. Well, now, last night, actually the night before, Elon Musk suspended the accounts of many prominent journalists who often cover him. He's all about free speech, but he doesn't like people using free speech when they talk against him. Somehow that doesn't seem like free speech. But he did let Mike Lindell come back. The Twitter CEO accused the high-profile writers of doxing his exact location when he was in a private plane. Now, this all started by this kid who had a Twitter account that was able to track Elon Musk travel in the air with all public, publicly available information. And he put it out there, and that <clears throat> kind of pissed off Elon Musk. So he banned him, and he banned everybody else he didn't like, even though he's all about free speech. Kind of weird. The rules are different now that Musk has taken over. The accounts of the liberal-leaning figures could be taken away at any time, but white supremacists like Andrew Anglin and Baked Alaska are able to promote their hateful views. And now he's brought back Lindell, and of course Lindell will continue to spew his ridiculous bullshit. Here's another guy who's talked and talked and talked and promised and promised and promised evidence but has never, ever come up with anything. Now, Lindell posted a tweet a while back. I'm back. Thank you, Elon Musk. And by the way, melt down the electronic voting machines and turn them into prison bars. (laughs) This guy should go back to selling pillows because he's not good at selling politics. Musk seems to be having a lot of fun right now trolling liberals and acting as an all-powerful ruler with Tesla's stock in the tank and advertisers fleeing Twitter in droves, it's likely that his fun will end soon. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, if this is how he wants to run Twitter, people should just just make a mass exodus from Twitter. I know it's hard. There are people who have been on Twitter for years and years and have built up quite a following. But uh, this isn't going to turn out well. This isn't going to go well on Twitter unless somebody else comes in and takes charge. But Elon Musk seems committed to running Twitter into the ground, and he's doing a hell of a job at this point. He's letting the white supremacists, the people like Mike Lindell, Donald Trump, if he ever decides to come back, but he doesn't like the press, the people that have the audacity to talk against Elon Musk. How that all ties in with free speech, I don't fucking know. But Elon Musk is a lot like Donald Trump in the sense that he's a narcissist and uh, anybody that speaks out against him is the enemy and he can find some angle or some reason, no matter how bullshit it is, to kick them off. And if he continues to do that, who wants to go onto Twitter? It's just going to become like a... um, a bigger true social with fucking memes and trumplefucks running around roughshod. I don't know. Like I say, I don't get involved in Twitter too much. I'm certainly not going to do more now, given all that's going on. But we'll watch. We'll see. We'll see how soon Elon Musk buries Twitter. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for spending time to actually listen I hope you have a great day. I'm going to go have fun, watch some basketball, play with my grandkids. But we'll talk again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.